This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. This is How We See It. I'm Deacon Mike Sweeney, and our guest is Deacon Mike Miller from Moffitt Cancer Center. Deacon Mike, tell us about your call to the diaconate. When did you first start to feel that the Lord was calling you to serve his church in this way? Good question. I feel like that call by God to serve him has really been there my whole life in a sense. I've been active as a layperson for my whole life from youth, young adult, and adulthood in the church. I've been serving as a professional chaplain for almost 20 years now, and it was during the course of time while being a chaplain that I really felt like God was starting to call me to the diaconate. And it's one of those things where you think about it for a while, sometimes several months or several years. And my wife and I switched dioceses. I actually began the diaconate formation in another diocese. And then work brought me to Tampa at the Moffitt Cancer Center. And so I started that program over again here in the St. Petersburg Diocese. What diocese were you originally? the Diocese of Rochester, New York. Did you have doubts about being ordained as you were going through the program? I really didn't. Maybe because I had been serving in ministry full-time for so long, but it seemed like a very natural, a very comfortable step forward in my relationship with Christ and how I go about my days serving God. How about as you were going through the program, any speed bumps along the way? No, I enjoyed the academics very much, the theology classes, the different internship and workshops, parish ministry programs that they guided us through. I just want to say kind of ate it up. I mean, I very much enjoyed the growth and the spiritual growth, the guidance. So often you enter the diaconate program and then you become a chaplain, but you actually did it backwards where you were a chaplain for several years before you entered the diaconate program. Yes, that seems to be a little bit of the story of my spiritual formation. I started to pursue chaplaincy when I made this career change to go into chaplaincy. I'd been working in the corporate world for about 15 or 20 years out of college. And when I was in my late 30s, my father passed away at age 60. And then uh, just a year or two later, my older brother passed away at 40, 41. So within about three years or so, I lost my father and my brother, both at a young age. That was the catalyst, that event, that started me thinking about, my gosh, am I going to live for five more years or 50 more years? And I thought, if I only have five more years in my life, what do I want to do with those five years? And as much as I enjoyed the work I was doing in the corporate community, it was really serving God and his people, how I wanted to spend my time if it was just a few more years, like my brother or my father. And that's around 40 years old, what started this transition for me into chaplaincy. So I began this conversion kind of of job of calling and moved into professional ministry, pursuing the academic requirements to be a chaplain, the master's graduate theology degree, taking clinical internships and residencies in the local hospitals and kind of came into chaplaincy that way as that catalyst from my father and my brother's death and my own desire to serve God for whatever years I had remaining. What would you say is the most rewarding part of being a chaplain now? It's not easy work. People sometimes say, you know, do you enjoy that, what you do? 
I wouldn't use the term enjoy because you're working with people, individuals, patients, their families at very difficult times. So I don't know as I can't say that I enjoy the work, but what makes the work so valuable is the meaning in it. I can't think of any other way that I'd want to spend my life, my time, than working with others who are going through those difficult times of suffering and trouble and being there for them, being that support, helping them in whatever way God can work through me to be present for them and ease this journey that they're on. And so the work is just so meaningful to be present there for others and assist them in a spiritual and personal capacity. Cancer is one of those diseases that most of us fear, and yet so many of us will someday be diagnosed with it, not to be all doom and gloom. Are you ever in the room when someone receives a diagnosis of cancer, and how do you walk with the patient once they receive that news? Generally speaking, by the time I meet a patient and their family, they have been diagnosed. I'm generally not there at that moment. I work with them more when they're coming into the cancer center. Similar to that, though, there are times when I've been with patients and their families where it's maybe a new diagnosis. Maybe they have been in remission for several years, and then they find out that they're no longer in remission. It's not perhaps as shocking as that initial diagnosis, but it has its own overwhelming nature. So we do get calls from the outpatient clinic as well as with patients in the inpatient center who are, if not receiving that initial diagnosis, are getting, as people call it, bad news. We're talking with Deacon Mike Miller, chaplain at Moffitt Cancer Center. As a chaplain, do you find that the patients somehow have more spiritual strength than the family members do? Yes, but I would say that it does go both ways at times. But most certainly, I have seen times where it's the patient who's the strong one, who is carrying the family, who's playing catch-up emotionally and spiritually to where they're at. But then other times, it is the family who's there and sort of carrying or holding their loved one gently while they're on their journey. And in a sense, we get through life together. How does a Catholic deacon handle a patient that comes from a different sect of Christianity or even somebody that might be an atheist or practice a completely different non-Christian faith? I have always served in a non-denominational interfaith capacity, so I am a Catholic chaplain, but in the role in the hospital in a professional capacity as a chaplain, I meet with everybody. And even when there isn't the patient or family of a Christian faith background like my own, my role is to be there and to support that individual. I'm not trying to make them me. I'm not trying to convert or evangelize when I'm there as a chaplain. I'm there to support the patient and their family in the ways in which they find meaning. And so to help that patient lean into their faith, whatever that faith may be, and explore it, find where their resources are, how it offers them consolation. And even then with a patient who has no faith, beneath it all, we're all human. And to just be there for that individual, whether we are individuals of faith, uh, Christian faith or non-Christian faith, or someone who doesn't believe in God in a sense of a higher being, we all suffer. It is not something that you can avoid in the human condition. And so to just be present for that individual that may have no faith, as difficult 
as it may be in being with them, to see them suffer in a way they can find no consolation or relief, they can find no meaning outside of themselves if they don't have a sense of faith. And that's hard, but it's their journey, and I'm walking with them, and if I can do nothing else, I can at least be present and not let them go through it alone. And just listen. And just listen. Greatest gift we can give each other is the gift of listening. Someone made the joke one time, God gave us one mouth and two ears, and we should use them in proportion. And the flip side of that is, if you are going through something, whether it's cancer or any other sort of struggle, don't keep it bottled up. Talk about it. Yeah. Get it out there. A burden shared is a burden lightened. How do you handle a patient or maybe a family member that's angry with God because of the illness they're going through? That is absolutely an element that is present at some point, at some stage in dealing with a diagnosis, or even if not dealing with or trying to digest an initial diagnosis, just from the weariness at time after months or years of treatment can bring us a patient or a family to that point of anger and frustration. I encourage them to get it out. God's a big person. God can take it. You know, there's nothing we're going to do that's going to exceed God's capacity. Whether we're angry, just put it out there, give it to God, express it to him, and then just remain open. As a chaplain, are you ever with a patient during their final moments of life? Yes. Even at the cancer center, the vast majority of patients find uh, treatment and or cure, but we do have patients who pass away. And being there with them at the end of life with them and often, hopefully, with a loved one or family is a very sacred time. I don't find anything morbid about being with a patient and their family at that time of death. To me, it's a graced moment. It's a sacred moment. For a Christian person, this is their moment of entering eternal life with God. Hopefully, in working with them and their family, we've been able to help them find consolation, help them find meaning and purpose in their lives. This comes down to having that sense of peace when you die. And that, I guess, harkens back to when you asked me about working with people. That's helping them find peace in the midst of a situation that may not be able to be changed. I cannot take away the issue, the challenge that is there. But if we can approach death with a sense of peace, having made reconciliation with God if we needed to, or reconciling with estranged family members, looking back and helping a person unpack their life and find meaning and purpose to why they were here so they have some sense that they made a difference in the world, Deacon Mike, what advice do you have for someone who is facing a tough diagnosis? It would be to let them know that they're not alone. They have their faith, they have their family and good friends, and they have the staff at the cancer center. Nursing is a caring profession, and many of the staff, if we haven't dealt with cancer ourselves directly, have had very close loved ones, immediate family members who have passed from cancer. And so you might not think of it at the time, but when you come in for your treatment, the love that is present with the caring from the nursing staff, especially if you're in for repeated visits, you have your faith, you have your family, and the staff at the cancer center is there pulling for you too. Our guest today has been Deacon Mike Miller from Moffat Cancer Center, and this is How We See It. 
You're listening to How We See It, a look at issues and ministries that are having an impact in our community and world. If you missed any of today's program, you'll find a copy on Spirit FM's SoundCloud page. There's a link to it at myspiritfm.com. Now, back to our program. John Morris here for your Spirit FM. And on this segment of How We See It, I want to introduce you to Lorenzo Sakia, who is a member of the Apostles of the Eucharist. Now, what is the Apostles of the Eucharist? I've heard of it. They have a retreat coming up, and so we're going to find out a little bit more from Lorenzo. Thanks for coming in the studio today. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. It's uh, great to be here. So tell me a little bit about the Apostles of the Eucharist. Yeah, so the um, the Apostles of the Eucharist Young Adult Group, it was founded in December of 2014 as an outreach of the lay associates of the Congregation of the Blessed Sacrament, a lay order within the Congregation of the Blessed Sacrament. So it's a young adult group. I assume you, you get together and you pray, but there's more to it than that. Tell me a little bit about how, because you're kind of new to this group, aren't you? Yeah, actually, I only joined about two months ago, but the group's been very, very consistent. Every Friday, we attend adoration at around 6.30, and after that, we get together and we have Bible discussions about the gospel for that week. And so during the discussions, I mean, you, you're surrounded by individuals with like-minded values and people like trying to search for the truth. Uh, every time I get together, I'm always very inspired by what people have to say. And from 18 to uh, late 20s, everybody's like trying to search for meaning. Everybody's trying to search for truth. And in this group, I mean, you can find both because not only do we do it on a very consistent basis, but everybody's, their hearts are on fire for God. And you can really see it in, in the eyes and the way that we interact with one another. I've heard this from other people. Sometimes that can be a little intimidating, walking into a room with people on fire. I mean, uh, spiritually on fire because they're like, you know what? I'm not at that level. I don't know that I would feel comfortable with that. Number one. Number two, sometimes it's difficult I'm this stranger. I've heard about this group. I feel like God's calling me here, but I don't know anybody. You were kind of in that same boat too, weren't you, Lorenzo? Actually, yeah. Well, to be honest, all of the members of the group, everybody's very accommodating. There's no clicks. Everybody, ever since I'd first stepped into the group, I actually felt like I've been there for years. And so there are uh, several leaders in the group who will introduce you to everybody. And normally, if there is somebody new, we will introduce them to the group. And in fact, every at the start of every meeting, we'll go around the room and ask a question, kind of like a silly question, like, you know, like if uh, if you had to choose between like one pickle-sized cow or a hundred cow-sized pickles, like what would you pick? And then also, what's your name? And, you know, just something crazy. Icebreaker things. Yeah, icebreakers. So you came from North Carolina. You came down here. A little bit about your faith. Were you a solid practicing Catholic in North Carolina before you came down and said, when I get here, I'm going to find a group, or did you just did take you some time to settle in down here? When I lived in North Carolina, it's really hard to find a lot of like-minded individuals in the Catholic faith because most of the churches up there in North Carolina are actually Protestant churches. And so when I came down here, I noticed such a big difference in being able to find people that knew what the Eucharist was, that knew what confession was, that knew what the rosary was. And so overall, like the whole diocese of St. Petersburg and, and Tampa, it's uh, it's been a gift. There's a retreat coming up, Apostles of the Eucharist. And what's the name of the retreat? So the, the name of the retreat is Hearts on Fire. It happens on July 15th through the 16th. So it is an overnight retreat. So overnight, uh, where's the retreat taking place? Yeah, it's happening at uh, St. Paul's. St. Paul's in Tampa. An overnight, so I know churches don't usually have, you know, it's not a hotel accommodation. So 
you got to bring your own air mattress or cot, or how's that work? Yeah, so you'd have to bring in your own sleeping accommodations, bring in your own air mattress, bring in your own cot, obviously your own pillows and, and blankets. Food? You'd probably want to bring a snack, but all of the major meals would be covered for. We have chef who's going to be cooking for all those who are attending the retreat. And it's not one of these retreats where it's $200, is it? No, no. Luckily, um, so we've had a lot of good sponsorships. And so the retreat actually, even for an overnight, is going to be $55. Oh, okay. That is in the ballpark. And I know how it is with a lot of young adults because uh, the economy these days is a little little pricey. But 55 bucks for a weekend that could change your life is certainly well worth it, I think. Well worth it indeed. So uh, you've got some speakers coming. Tell us about these. Yeah, so actually, uh, one of the speakers, he was on, on you guys' radio show uh, not too long ago, actually, Father Colonel Eric Albertson, the chaplain from McDill Air Force Base. Well, who's the other? So one of the new members of the group, actually, Brendan DePadua uh, from Illinois. He was recently hired to oversee the young adult ministries in our diocese. And, you know, as I was saying, when, when new people come to the group, they feel welcomed. And I immediately saw that he had a gift uh, with speaking, like when during our Bible discussions. So I got with him and some of our leaders. And literally two weeks ago, um, we got it arranged that he would be one of the speakers for, for our retreat. It's also an opportunity to uh, make some new friends. As you said, sometimes people are pressured, especially young adults. They, they want to go to the, the clubs, you know, other events that uh, there might be things that maybe don't quite line up with our, our faith lifestyle. A lot of the activities, actually, we, we have monthly activities and probably like every every week or every two weeks, there's always a social event where you can get to bond with, with like I said, other like-minded individuals um, and young adults. For example, the past couple months, we went to the baseball game. We went, we've gone to the park uh, where we played Frisbee, tossed around the football. I know the in the past, the group has also gone to the beach altogether and I think um, we've been, I've been trying to talk with the leaders to see if we can get a group to go to a wiki wachi um, to the, where the spring, to the springs in Spring Hill. Now these are on Friday nights, which is typically a night where a lot of people go out and they party and that sort of thing. But you guys start out the night with, with adoration. Then you have faith sharing and Bible discussion. And then you go out afterwards a lot of times, don't you? Yeah. I think uh, not, not only with being very consistent with Bible discussions and, and learning about God, but uh, it's, it's always good to, you know, get out there and socialize with each other. And so normally we'll go to Glory Days. We've been going there so consistently, actually, that they've actually basically have a, a back room segregated just for us um, where they can kind of close off because uh, normally around a group of 20 to 30 people go. And, you, you know, in a, in a <laughs> restaurant. They like to plan for that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 sure. Again, the retreat's $55, St. Paul Catholic Church, the weekend of July 15th through the 16th. How do people register or where do they go to find out more about this group if they want to come and check it out uh, maybe as soon as tomorrow night, this Friday? Uh, yeah, so um, we have a Facebook group. Um, it's called the Apostles of the Eucharist. And on Instagram, it's it also goes by Apostles of the Eucharist at St. Paul's. Personally, is it challenging to be a young person, a young adult in this culture? I know for me it was it was kind of tricky trying to navigate the lifestyle of my friends I grew up with, the lifestyle of the faith that I wanted to grasp and and work them together. I don't know that a whole lot's changed, but what's the challenge for you these days? I think, so the challenge nowadays is everybody thinks, well, because of the how prominent social media is nowadays, everybody is so focused in on, on themselves. And so it's not, a lot of people focus on what, what it looks or what it appears to be. Nobody ever focuses on what actually is. And so I, I think uh, 
when you join a group um, like the Apostles of the Eucharist, you realize like those beliefs you have about, I should be looking like this, I should be appearing like this, like my lifestyle should be like this. All that goes away because you find people who not are only like strong in their faith, but they're on this journey just as you are. And there's no discrimination, no clicks. And I feel like when you join a group just like that, you no longer feel alone in the world. You're at your job, young person comes up and says, hey, I'm new to the area. You know, maybe it's maybe it's at your church. I'm new to the area and I'm wanting to find out more about getting involved with a group. But I'm a little reticent. What do you tell them? How do you sell them on what you have to offer? I'll probably say to them, would you like to find community, like just a sense of community, no sense of judgment? Would you like to find a sense of a sense of belonging to someone and somewhere? You know, and I think that's something that we all share. So we admittedly, we all belong like our hearts belong to God. But it's always nice to be able to belong to something bigger than yourself. And so I'll probably tell them, like, hey, like, there's there's this group. It's very consistent. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, some. there's a lot of, I mean, especially if you're single or her single, there's a lot of good young-looking people here at this group. So, and, you know, everybody's always trying to find their, you know, their future spouse, you know, their future husband, future wife. Um, but, I mean, kind of uh, bigger than that is uh, that sense of community, like, that community you can be a part of for for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And you see all of you guys grow up together. Everybody's like eventually going through the relationships. And when, you know how they say, um, I mean, a quarter of two is broken very easily, but I mean, you throw God into the mix, you you throw a sense of community together. It's a, it's a rope that's very hard to break. Lorenzo Sakia, thanks for joining us today. I wish you uh, all the blessings for the retreat coming up and all of the good work that you're doing to foster adoration, prayer, and just growing every day in faith in the Eucharist. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, John. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it.